Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all great to be here on this beautiful day, fine day to take your dog for a walk. You know, we say that pretty much every show, and there's a lot there. Uh, Of course, thinking about getting your dog's physical energy needs met. We've talked a lot on the show about how dogs also have a need for an outlet, a constructive outlet for their mental energy needs as well. And we've talked about all sorts of different ways to meet your dog's mental energy needs too. Um, But it's also really nice to just get outside, maybe not bring your phone, which is hard to do these days. So that means you can't take pictures of your dog or do, do any selfies with your dog while you're on your walk. But, you know, to really just disconnect in this crazy crazy world that we live in. <laughs> um, but how are you going to collect those Pokemon Go's? Oh, man. We see, yeah, I mean, we see, I don't even know, I didn't know anything about it until after it was launched and we saw people walking around our neighborhood. You know, and we've had clients tell us like, oh, you know, the dog's really tired today because, you know, my husband and son had him out for three hours last night looking for Pokemon. <laughs> the dog's like exhausted. Um, poor dog. I guess. I mean, I really don't know anything about it other than that. I hear people saying, like, "Well, it's good that people are actually getting out and walking." Exactly. And not. But just you could do sitting. that with your dog without. You don't need. A game. No, yeah. you don't. But that's a <laughs> one way to get a lot of people engaged in something is through a video game. So hey, if it, I don't know. Just be it's, careful. It's just watch where you're yeah, walking. <laughs> yeah. Look both ways before yes. you cross the street. Um. Well, it is, um, there's uh, one thing that I talk about a lot. You know, I work with dog training and behavior and have for about 15 years now. And I end up having, you know, especially in working, you know, there's a difference between training and behavior, first of all. Um, Dog training, I look at as like, education, like school, like this is how I'm going to teach my dog how to sit or how to um, lay down or wait at a door or, you know, that sort of training. Um, There's other types of training as well, sort of outside of obedience training, like nose work, for example, which I've talked about over the years, which is scent detection training for fun. Or Maybe um, tricks, you know, teaching a dog to go get a tissue and bring it over to you when you sneeze. You know, those are kind of fun things that you can do. But that's sort of in the realm of training. Let me ask you this about training, if you don't mind, Julie. Sure. Uh, I don't think we've ever settled this question on the show, which it seems like it should have been day one. Oh, boy. Can you teach an (laughs) old dog new tricks? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I figured you'd say that. Absolutely. You know, but a lot of people do worry. I just actually just the lesson that I just had that started two hours before right now, um, the woman said, did I wait too long? Um, And no, 
you know, I mean, there is some validity for sure to, you know, if your dog's sort of starting to develop an undesirable behavior, best to address it right when it starts. It will generally be easier or um, quicker to resolve. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure. Old dogs can absolutely learn new tricks and still have a need for an outlet for their mental energy, especially as their bodies might start to break down and they might not be able to go for those big long walks that you used to take them on, but they could really, really still love nose work. So, yes. I'm Uh, glad we cleared that up. Good (laughs) question, yeah. Well, a lot of people actually do say that. Um, You know, oh, is it too late? Is it too late? And sometimes people say that with young dogs still. You know, the dog's two or three years old. Is it too late? No. And I've worked with some dogs who are old, for behavioral challenges. So I talked about training and then there's sort of the world of like behavior, like, well, my dog is, and that usually involves words like um, aggressive behavior or anxious behavior or fearful behavior, that kind of thing. And that's more complex. And there's a lot of factors that contribute to behavioral challenges in dogs and every dog is different. Um, and we certainly use training as sort of a toolbox to help us work through behavioral challenges in a lot of situations, a lot, a lot of situations. We will, you know, want to have a dog who, let's say, is um, has challenging behavior when people come over. Well, maybe the dog is fearful. Maybe the root of the behavior is is fearful. Um, but what we'll want to do is put structure in place using training, like, for example, teaching the dog to go to a rug when somebody knocks on the door. So then you're putting structure in place. You're using training to put structure in place to help work the dog through some sort of behavioral challenge. Well, because I'm in the conversation of talking about dog behavior all the time, you know, you have to really look at all different types of factors that might be contributing to the dog's behavioral challenge, the dog's age. Is there something medical going on that could be causing this dog's behavior to be this? Does is the dog have a low thyroid, for example? Um, is the dog in pain? Is it, is it a dog that might have uh, hip dysplasia and, um, you know, oh, my dog snapped at my grandchild when she you know, walked over and sort of like went to hug, um, hug my dog in the rear end and the dog snapped at her. Well, if there's pain going on back there, that could cause that behavior. Uh, So there's lots of factors, you know, food. I've talked about how important that is. One of the things that I, um, over the years have noticed a correlation between is flea medications Tick and flea medications, although here in Seattle, we don't really have to deal with ticks, which is wonderful because I'm from Massachusetts and I know that um, ticks are a real deal for a lot of people in a lot of different parts of the country. For us, it's fleas. And the flea and tick industry is like a $1 billion a year industry, and they focus mostly on treating the animal. Um, And I... You know, what we do for flea control, because we have, um, you know, a a pack of our own dogs at home, and then we have dogs in and out of the house for private lessons out of our training studio. And and it's a, you know, the answer to flea control is 
is if you don't, you know, if you don't want to put harsh chemicals on your dog or cat, the answer is not to do nothing because then you're going to end up with a house infested with fleas and that's not fun for anybody. Um, but how do we avoid, you know, using these pesticides that actually can cause behavioral challenges in dogs? It can also cause physical um, illness uh, and, you know, anything from burns on skin to, for, for top spot treatments to um, vomiting, diarrhea, even all the way up to things like seizures. Um, it can get real serious for dogs. And, um, you know, so what is the answer? And several years ago, I was introduced to Flea Busters, which is a, a company here. I believe it's a national company and there's a um, like a Washington state, you know, Western Washington sort of division of them. And, and they are who we work with because this is where we live. But I believe Flea Busters is a national brand. And so if you're listening from somewhere um, else in the country, um, and you can even home treat too. So you can, if you're listening, I know we have listeners from other countries as well. You can order their products online. Um, and I really learned a lot from Aaron Hinman, who is the um, the man in charge of Flea Busters Washington. And I interviewed him um, a few years ago on the show, and I'm going to air um, after this first segment uh, for the kind of the second half of the show, I'm going to air my interview with him so that you can get to know how their product works and also really get to know the life cycle of a flea and why it works better to actually treat your environment for fleas, meaning your house or your condo or apartment or whatever, um, versus focusing on the animal. Because most of the products on the market now that you might get at your veterinarian's office or at a store really focus on putting these chemicals or the treatment on or in the animal. And it's actually more effective to treat your environment. And um, my in my conversation with Aaron later in the show, you'll find out exactly why and in depth. But I wanted to take this time to kind of update this topic and share with you some research that I did a couple years ago after I noticed this behavioral correlation of sort of anxiety or pho phobic behaviors in dogs. And when I would be talking with a client, like, you know, they'd have like a, I'm thinking of this one dog, like six-year-old dog, you know, they had had him since he was a puppy and they knew who this dog was. You know, they knew his his temperament, his personality, his preferences, all this kind of stuff. And then it was like all of a sudden he starts developing this phobic behavior towards sounds. And it's like, well, why does something like that come on out of nowhere? What causes, you know, what is the cause of this? And as we were sort of, you know, I'm asking them all these questions and we're trying to tease tease it out, we got to, it was in actually the same month that they had started him on one of these chemical flea medications that, um, in this case, it was one of the ones that the dog actually takes a pill. And it was like, okay, now, and this was not the first time that I've noticed this. So I was just like, what is going on? What is causing this to happen I want to know what is going on in the body that's causing this behavioral reaction. I mean, if you see a dog, you know, you put one of those topical flea um, 
things that you put like on their shoulder blades and then the dog ends up with like a big burn mark or something like that that's a pretty easy cause and effect like oh man that was really that was really irritating i wonder how else it has impacted my dog physically um or the dog starts vomiting or something like that after you know those types of things or having seizures like i said that can happen um but this behavioral component is a, a little less easy to kind of pinpoint you have to really kind of go back with timing so i was like okay well I have a science degree. I have a degree in animal science, and I'm going to research this. What are these chemicals doing? Because the companies claim that they're safe for pets, but they also tell you to not come in contact with the chemical. You know, wash your hands. Um, Some of them even say on the label may cause miscarriage in pregnant women. It's like, uh, okay, but it's okay to put in my dog or on my dog or cat. Well, why is that? Because we're both mammals. So I did this research, and, and I'm honestly sort of surprised that I was able to get as far as I was because it was not easy. You know, I mean, these uh, research papers put out by these um, pesticide companies on the research that they did, and, you know, I wanted to know why, what was the evidence that they had that made them say that it was safe for dogs and cats. You know, I wasn't buying it. But I wanted to know why. So I dug and dug and sifted, you know, I definitely dusted off the cobwebs of my science degree and my own brain and sort of sifted through these research papers and read this one. And then that one led me to another study that was done. And so then I read that one and kind of pieced it all together. And um, I researched the specific chemical that I researched is one called fipronil. F as in Frank, I-P-R-O-N-I-L, fipronil. And it's a common one used in a number of different um, different top spot medications. It's one of those um, kind of common pesticides. So that was the one that I chose to research. And I found that how it, how it kills fleas um, or invertebrates, so animals with, without a backbone, um, so insects have a, an exoskeleton, you know, like a hard shell. They don't have a backbone. Like our hard shell is sort of in our body and other animals have it outside of their body like insects. So that was one of the distinctions that they made was how these chemicals work on vertebrates, animals with backbones, versus invertebrates, animals that don't have backbones but might have a shell or exoskeleton like a flea. So... It causes hyperexcitation of nerve cells. Okay. Well, how does it do that? It blocks chloride ions from moving, I believe it's out of the nerve cell, but I might be wrong about that. But I double-checked this recently, and if memory serves, it's, it blocks chloride ions from moving out of nerve cells. And if you have a background in science as well, you might remember that an ion has a charge, and so chloride ions have a negative charge. So when it says it causes hyperexcitation of nerve cells, it means that it's actually messing with the charge, the electricity, and the communication that's happening between nerve cells. And, I mean, it's, it's impacting the central nervous system. So, okay, well, hyperexcitation of nerve cells. Well, if it's doing that in maybe some individuals of mammals, like dogs, 
who might be sensitive, and there are known genetic mutations of dogs. And you can look this up. Um, there are known genetic mutations of dogs who are especially sensitive to these pesticides and cannot tolerate them. And it originates from a line of collies from England. Um, <clears throat> blocks chloride ions. Well, okay. That kind of makes sense. And then I kept digging and I found that actually medications that are used to treat um, seizures, so like anticonvulsants, sedatives, and also medications that are used to treat anxiety in mammals, you know, in humans and in dogs and other animals, are um, what do they, how do they work in the body? They open chloride channels. So these pesticides block chloride channels, and that's how they kill fleas. And we know that there are genetic mutations in dogs, known genetic mutations, where they cannot tolerate flea medications, and it will actually have that impact on them as well. So these pesticides block the chloride channels. Anti-anxiety medications, anti-convulsants, and sedatives open chloride channels in the body. So they have the opposite impact on the body physiologically as these pesticides. That in a nutshell, is why I'm seeing these behavioral challenges in dogs. And it totally makes sense based off of what I found researching this. So for a safe alternative and to also understand how fleas work and why it's more effective to treat your environment as opposed to focusing on these poor animals who are getting these nasty chemicals put on or in their body and it's making them feel crappy and it can cause serious health problems as well. Try shifting to treating your environment with something non-toxic like Flea Busters. You can go to their website, fleabusterswa.com, and I'll post their contact info on our homepage as well, which, of course, is dogradioshow.com. And enjoy this very interesting interview with Aaron Hinman. We are on today with Aaron Hinman, who is the president of Flea Busters Washington. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you. So nice to have you here, and it's uh, one of my favorite topics to talk about and to educate people about fleas and about flea control, flea prevention. This is another one of those um, areas of pet life that is sort of overwhelming, I think, for people because there's so much on the market. It's kind of like, you know, what do I do? What do I use? What's good? What's not? What works? What doesn't? So we're going to get into the life of fleas and how flea busters works. And the reason why I love flea busters so much is not only because it works, but because it treats the environment, not the dog or cat in, in, that, in the case of cats. Correct. Which is a big distinction because so many of the um, products on the market really focus on the animal. That, that's correct. And one of the things is, is for any, uh, any product that you use on your animals, remember that means that the flea has to bite them first before those products will work. Mm. So one of the nice things about doing, you know, the preventative methods or something to keep the flea activity out of the home, um, even when it's reintroduced so it dies once it leaves the animal and protecting the house, is that the animals aren't getting those bites in the first place. Mm. So tell us a bit about... So, you know, fleas, like I didn't know until I met you, I knew a little bit about the life cycle of the flea, but there was a lot that I learned after talking with you in our many conversations over the phone um, about, you know, 
what is the nature of the beast? I mean, how do fleas work? What's their life cycle like? How much time is spent on the animal versus off the animal? Well, one of the main things about flea activity is yeah, the animals themselves, they're a food source for the fleas. That's not actually where the flea activity is living or breeding from. Mm. Now, fleas come in four different stages. You have the egg, the larva, um, the pupa cocoon, and then the adult flea, which is the one that you see feeding on your animals or on the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, um, of these stages, three of the four stages are actually pretty easy to kill off. Mm-hmm. Um, the egg and the larva um, and the adult flea, um, they're pretty easy to kill. Mm-hmm. The problem with getting rid of flea activity is their cocoon stage. It's the pupa stage, the pre-adult. Mm-hmm. Now, this cocoon, Mother Nature has made this, co- this cocoon so nothing can penetrate it. So um, no matter what product you're using or what you're doing, um, from the time that you treat, there's always going to be a period that can last up to about five weeks that you still notice these cocoons reaching maturity and hatching out. Mm -hmm. The trick to getting rid of flea activity is to be using something that that as this is happening and as of their hatching, that is continuing to kill them off Mm -hmm. as well as keep them out through time. So when you say that the cocoon that it's hard to kill them because I remember you were telling me about this and mm-hmm. it's actually pretty impressive if you <laughs> you know it if you really kind of think about it as far as survival plan goes the cocoons are almost indestructible correct i mean there's really nothing they're so thick that there's no there's nothing no product known to penetrate it like you could spray bleach on it directly correct no. it's and it's it's going to soak into the exterior but it doesn't make it to the center of the fleet of the, of the cocoon uh-huh. where the little monster is breeding from. right so so the other three stage so there's the egg so the adult hat or lays the egg correct. and do they and, lay the egg on the dog or off the dog or both well um about both um, mainly what happens is as the, as the adults um, uh, you know, hatch from a cocoon and attack the animal for the first time, you have the males and the females. Now, the females are, there's normally about twice as many females as males, mm-hmm. but all they have to do is get a blood meal from the animal, and then they start laying eggs. And a lot of those eggs get laid directly on the animal. Or then they start running around the house or playing, you know, in the home, and these flea eggs fall off of the animal. Mm. Now, the, the thing about the flea eggs is then they have to find a pocket of heat, darkness, and moisture on a regular basis in order to survive. Now, when you have carpeting in a home, this flea activity gets to, falls onto the top of the carpet, and gravity helps take it down right to the bottom of the carpet fibers where it gets all three things. Mm-hmm. Now, in hard surface rooms, um, what happens is it falls off the animals, and then just like dust, gets blown to the edges of the room. Mm. But then whatever makes it into baseboard areas, into the cracks, into the crevices, mm-hmm. into the darkness, then it can continue breeding from those areas as well. Mm-hmm. But what happens is the, the dog, say, brings the flea activity, you know, the the brings the flea activity into the house, but then the flea eggs fall off of the animals, find one of those spots, but, and then it started in the home. Mm-hmm. It no longer has anything else to do with the dog bringing it in from outside. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's cycling in the home, and even if you were to take all the dogs and cats out, it would just start feeding off of the people mm-hmm. or whatever other you know warm-blooded animals are around. Right. Now, one of the other tricky things about the flea cocoon, not only can you not penetrate it, but 
even once um, you do everything right with an application, mm-hmm. okay, the, the attaching stage that you go through that lasts anywhere from two to five weeks, sometimes a little bit longer, mm-hmm. it is determined by the amount of activity that's going on in a house. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for flea cocoons to hatch, even once they reach maturity, they need to be activated. What this means is that when you walk by or the dog walks by, your, your heat source, your vibration, the carbon dioxide from your breathing mm-hmm. actually cause these cocoons to hatch. And then within seconds, they attack your heat source to feed. Mm-hmm. Now, let's t- say, for instance, like a vacant home or something like that, where you go, you know, the tenants have now left you this flea problem. And you go in and use flea bombs or whatever you're doing, um, and then you leave for a few days and you come back, and then you automatically get attacked by fleas again. Hmm. The reason that this happens is because since you set off the bombs, there was nothing there to hatch them out from the cocoon. Mm-hmm. So they just sat safe and dormant waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And they can do this for up to a couple of years wow. in a perfect environment. Wow. And the other thing, too, about like the bomb type thing. One is that it's it's a toxic pesticide, so Correct. it's getting on everything. And the other thing is that you were saying that the fleas go to the cracks and crevices or the bottom of the rug. So that is the, the bomb, the yeah. So if you set off a bomb, it's just kind of getting to the easy to reach spaces, not even where the fleas might be. Right. It, they actually um, wind up getting the, a lot of the adult fleas, which only represent about 2% of the population. Oof. But it gives you what people call temporary relief. Right. Um, but yeah, the problem is, is like with carpeted areas, they don't penetrate all the way down to the bottom of the carpeting. So although they would kill the egg and larva stages, they don't reach them. Yeah. And baseboard areas, the same thing. If you're not spraying something directly into your baseboards, rather it be a powder or spray or whatever, if it's not going into the darkness, you're not actually getting where they're coming from. Yeah. <sighs> There's such a pro. I mean, out here, I'm from the East Coast, and our thing was ticks, which is an entirely different beast. Right. We never really had a flea problem. And out here, it's kind of the opposite. Right. And uh, so there's different, some people have flea problems, some people don't. Fleas are parasites, so they do tend to be attracted to weaker immune systems. Don't fleas like drier, flaky skin rather than really moist, healthy skin? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that exactly. Okay. Um, fleas, when, uh, fleas are attracted a lot to heat source. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that it would have more to do with the person, the amount of heat mm-hmm. that the person would be putting off than the quality of the skin. Okay. I've heard that, and it has been my experience in the past that, um, like, I lived with a dog when I first moved out here, and I just had my old dog, Chewy. And we moved into this house, and we only lived there for a couple weeks, and there was one dog there that had just moved in before us and he was a golden retriever and he was on some poor diet and had our early arthritis and was just a not, not a, um, not thriving. And we moved, Chewy and I moved in and this dog wasn't just had fleas crawling all over him. And we, like I said, we were only there for a couple of weeks, but Chewy never got them because hmm. I think maybe given the choice, they prefer, the weaker immune system because they are parasites by design. See, that very well could be, or the le- the least active animal. 
Oh, that could be true too. You know, if you're just a if you're just a heat source, food source, you know, sitting in the corner, right? You know, that doesn't even scratch. Then yeah, that's going to be the fleas. You know bounty right there right (laughs) well i want we're going to take a quick break and when we come back i want to talk with you about how flea busters work so we've talked about the life cycle of the flea and kind of some of the challenges in preventing or ridding an, an infestation so i want to talk about the flea busters products and how those work okay so we'll be back in just a few minutes you're listening to the dog talk show on alternative talk 1150 The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Who you gonna call? Nice one. All right. We're talking with Aaron Hinman, the president of Flea Busters Washington. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. That's a good one, huh? (laughs) That made me laugh. Okay. So we've been talking about um, the life cycle of the flea, that fleas have four stages, egg, larva, cocoon, and adult. Mm -hmm. And that fleas need three things, heat, darkness, and moisture. Correct. And that the cocoons are pretty much impossible to kill. Correct. I mean, can you burn them? Oh, I'm sure you could. Yeah. You know, but who wants to burn down their house right, to get exactly. rid of a sleep Exactly. I was just curious. <laughs> but you can pretty much, I mean, they are basically impenetrable. Correct. I mean, there are certain things that will kill off flea cocoons. You know, I mean, if you set them in direct sunlight, Mm. you know, these type of things will, you know, will kill off the cocoons. But they're not going to be in direct sunlight because they're in the baseboards and the rugs. Cracks and crevices and in that darkness. Right. Okay. So, so what is it? So there's lots of different products on the market. Some of them 
I recently had on a guest from the Natural Resources Defense Council was talking about certain brands of flea collars that you can buy in grocery stores Mm -hmm. and how those actually use pesticides that have already been banned by the EPA for household use because they're so toxic. So you have the worst case scenario, and then you've got all these other products that are of varying degrees of toxicity, collars, um, you know, bombs like we talked about, the top spot treatments, and then we have flea busters type treatment. So tell us about your products and, and how you apply them and why they're effective. Well, one of, one of the first things about flea busters is we, for getting rid of, of a flea activity in a home, we are one of the, the only product labels that that promises eradication. Mm-hmm. Um, as you read through flea bombs or anything else, all they promise you is flea control which means it gets part rid of part of the initial problem, mm-hmm. but it doesn't completely get rid of it in the home. Now, what the reason that the flea buster powder works so well over a long period of time is because um, once it's applied to the carpeting, and it's a powder, it's kind of fine like flour, mm-hmm. but it has a neutral pH balance. It's less toxic than table salt, mm-hmm. and it's brushed into the carpet fibers, and it creates an electrostatic bond. So when you do your first vacuuming, although you pull off some of the excess powder, the carpets hold just what they need to keep out the excess moisture. Mm-hmm. Without that moisture, the fleas can't survive. Mm. So even if, you know, flea activity gets, you know, brought, you know, on Thanksgiving, all the relatives bring their dogs over and there's all sorts of flea activity jumping into your carpet, once that activity leaves the animal, it dehydrates and dies within 14 hours, Mm. always leaving the home a flea-free environment. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry about them leaving that behind for you for later. Mm And that, so you have your powder, so you you kind of brush it in, or you have this machine that kind of... Well, we have machines that brush it into the carpet fibers. Mm -hmm. Um, They ride on two brushes, and they have dust skirts over them, Mm -hmm. um, just to try to keep the dust down for the applications. Mm -hmm. And basically what they're doing is they're just thoroughly working the powder through the carpet fibers. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you can also um, use just, say, like a a deck brush or a hard bristle broom to brush the powder into the carpet fibers mm-hmm. and uh, now it's a lot more difficult to do it this way and it doesn't always get it through the carpet fibers as thoroughly as the machine would but um, as far as keeping the flea activity out and getting rid of the flea activity it works just as well as if we were to come out and do it for you mm-hmm. and we also have an over-the-counter product that we resell through vets and groomers for people to apply themselves if, if they wanted to go that method mm-hmm. um, but it's the flea buster powder. It's all about the static bond that separates us from everything else on the market. And is it the brushing in that creates that static bond? Um, well, there's static. I mean, there's static all around you. Right. Um, you know, it's a, you know like uh, when you're a kid and you're running your feet across the carpet. Right. You know, getting people. Right. It's, it's that same static right there. Okay. That's what bonds it to the carpet fibers. And even if you were to vacuum, you know, three times a day, every day, all year, it would not remove our product. Yep. But carpet cleaning, heavy moisture will remove the flea buster application, and it does void the guarantee of the product. So getting it wet, essentially. Well, it's getting it wet and removing the product. Okay. Um, or removing the water. Let's say you walk, you know, the dog came in with wet feet. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it gets a little bit damp. The, the product loses its bond, but then as those areas dry, it rebonds to the carpet fibers. Okay. 
Okay. But when you remove the water, that's when the product would come out. So what if somebody has hardwood floors? I mean, do you have to have wall-to-wall carpeting? or do um, Not yeah. by any means. Uh-huh. Um, the, the flea buster process, I mean, what we focus on is the breeding areas. Yep. Okay, which is uh, number one is always the bottom of carpet fibers. But when you have hard surface, you know, hardwood rooms, the breeding area changes. It becomes that baseboard around the edges. Yep. Okay, and in hard surface rooms, those are the areas that we would treat. Now, the thing when you um, use powders um, in these areas is the flea buster powder has nothing to attach to. So you do want to be a little bit careful throughout the year not to get a bunch of water in your baseboards or, you know, try vacuuming out the powder. Right. Because it would, you know, it wouldn't, it has nothing to bond to. It would vacuum out in those areas. Yeah. Um, but as far as getting rid of the infestations, you know, in areas like that, you would treat, number one, any area rugs that you had in rooms. Mm-hmm. And then any baseboards just around the edges. And then the one other the one other place that does need to be treated in homes is the wells of furniture. Mm. Okay, and this is the po- the wells of the couches. It's the pocket where your change collects. Right. Not just under the cushion, but under the cushion and into the back, into the darkness. Yep. It's that little area that you actually need to treat. That's the area where they get the heat, darkness, and moisture they can breathe from. Yeah. They're tricky little buggers, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Have to do is get into those areas, and then yeah, they can be really difficult to get rid of. But the big thing is, is even once you do everything right, you're still looking at five weeks before you get relief. Right, and that's hard because in and this is another good point too is talking about prevention versus you know infestation treatment, and right. that the best the best medicine is prevention. Correct. So don't wait for, you know, like, well, my dog doesn't have fleas or I haven't seen any fleas. Right. There's so there's such a problem in this area that it's so easy to just have your carpets treated. Well, you know, and one of the things like with all of the topicals and these different um, things that you can put on the animals is they make it to where even if when you check your animals, there may not be flea activity on them at that time. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they weren't getting bit. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, even when you, when it does get into the house, that you have this, you know, inside cat that's treated all the time. You never see fleas on the cat, but you're seeing fleas in other places. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, this cat's going to be getting some flea bites, and mm-hmm. that's really not necessary. Yeah. And it is about the comfort of the pet, ultimately. Exactly. Exactly. Did you know that with cats, when a home becomes really badly infested, they do what I call the furniture jump? They won't even touch the carpet. They'll go from, like, the back of the couch to the countertop to the top of the fridge. Hmm. And because they know by going into these areas that they're going to get bit. Yeah. But then as soon as the areas are treated and you go through all these hatching stages, they will slowly go back into these areas. But a lot of people um, always, uh, they don't understand, you know, the cat never did this before. But if you ever notice behavior like that with your cats, it's because they're trying to get away from it. And although the people don't notice it, the cats or the dogs notice it every time they walk through the room. Right. So so you have the the carpet, carpet treatment for both area rugs or wall-to-wall carpeting, and it's a non-toxic form of salt. Well, it's less toxic than table salt. Okay. Okay, but even table salt has a toxicity. Okay. Technically. Correct. Right. That's, yeah, that's the technicals of it. Now, the flea buster powder has a neutral pH balance. Mm-hmm. So skin color. 
contact. The most it can do is cause dry skin, inhaled or eaten, it breaks down with water, goes through the system with no ill effects. Okay. Even when we come out to do our treatments, we don't even ask that people or pets leave the home for the application. Yeah. Uh, we only ask that they're not in the room at the, you know, at the time that the technician's treating because of the dust. Right. And that's such a bonus, too, is that, you know, not only, you know, if you get your house treated and you kind of be a step ahead of it to prevent it getting really bad mm-hmm. um, or, you know, preventing any type of problem, then you're not having to get into, you know, the the more toxic options. And well, also you just don't have to, you know, you don't have to go that route anyway. And Well, the biggest thing about prevention mm-hmm. is the fact that, yeah, well, yeah, you never have to, you know, go to the toxicities or anything like that. But um, it... It really, as far as, it it makes it to where it never becomes a problem for you or the animals. And if you do it preventatively, you don't have that stage that you have to go through to get rid of them. Right. And that stage, I mean, it drives people crazy. Yep. You know, once you find out that you have something in your house that, you know, you just have to wait for this, you know, blood-sucking insect to leave. Right. You know, but... All you have to do is treat these areas preventively, mm-hmm. excuse me, preventatively, and you never have to worry about going through those problems. Yeah. You know, and you, you may discover that you don't need to use topicals or anything else because you're not finding flea activity on the animals. Yeah. And if you don't have to use anything on the animals, isn't this the ultimate goal? Yes. You know, for them not to get eaten alive, for us not to have to do something, you know, that that makes them, you know, ill or, you know, if, if it's not needed, then don't do it. And yeah. when you do the preventative method, there's a lot more of that. Yeah. So your website is fleabusterswa.com. That is correct. Uh, that's fleabusterswa. Dot com and the phone number to call is 206-628-3532. Um, we're going to take a quick break here in about a minute, and then when we come back, if anyone has any questions for Aaron, um, you're welcome to give us a call and ask your question. Otherwise, we'll keep talking fleas and kind of recap everything here. Um, so again, the website for Flea Busters is fleabusterswa.com. Numbers 206-628-3532, and that's the main line to call and set up an appointment, 206-628-3532. So somebody can either have flea busters out to their home and have one of your technicians treat the house. That is correct. Or they can buy the flea busters powder, which is patented, at their vet um, office or groomer? There, there's only select vets and groomers that carry it, but we have those lists here at the office. Okay. All they'd have to do is give us a call and let us know what city they're calling from, uh-huh. and we'll let them know the closest to them. And what are the areas that you service? Uh, we service all of King, Pierce, Snohomish, and Thurston counties. Okay, great. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more with Aaron Hinman, who is the president of Flea Busters Washington. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression... 
even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> this is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m. Thanks in part to Anti-Ikipoo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This Sunday, August 7th, we'll educate the human animal. In the studio, Morali Venkatreo from the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga. He's the director of Ananda Yoga Teacher Training and one of the most knowledgeable and inspiring speakers I've ever heard. India, the history of yoga, and Hatha Yoga 101 from Martha Norwalk's Animal world Sunday morning 9 a.m. to noon right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. As a little Spanish flea, a record star he thought he'd be. He heard of singers like Beatles, the chipmunks he's seen on TV. Why not a little Spanish flea? Very nice, Eric. Welcome back to The Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. And we're talking with Aaron Hinman, the president of Flea Busters Washington. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. We've been talking about all things flea. And the life cycle of the flea and how flea busters works. If you have a question you'd like to ask Aaron, you can take this opportunity now and give us a call. 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. Or toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. Again, we're talking with Aaron Hinman, who's the president of Flea Busters Washington, and he's a flea expert. So if you'd like to uh, ask him a question, take this opportunity. We'd love to hear from you today. 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. Although I think we've covered pretty much all the bases, Aaron, except I do want to talk about nematodes. Ah, the outside flea control. Yes. All right. Nematodes. Now, nematodes are a nifty thing. Um, This is Mother Nature's flea control. Mm -hmm. It's a microorganism that actually lives in the environment naturally. Mm -hmm. And they feed off of 42 non-beneficial insects. And one of those happens to be fleas. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, this, uh, nematodes, um, they're something that they breed in um, in big vats. And what you do is you, um, you can put them in like an ortho sprayer, and you spray them into your yard by the million. Wow. And they do not affect any beneficial insects. They don't hurt earthworms. They don't affect squirrels or birds, any vertebrae animals. Even if you spray them directly on your skin, if they try to penetrate, they die off. Hmm. But what they do is you increase the number and they feed off of the flea activity until the population's gone. Mm -hmm. And then they themselves die off from starvation. Mm. So they do need to be reapplied about every four to six weeks, depending on the environment. But the nice thing about nematodes is this is completely non-toxic. This is something that if you live out in the wilderness or you live in the woods and you don't want to hurt the deer or get it into the water supply, this is the product that you want to use. Because it's already out there. Correct. And and by increasing the number, it doesn't hurt anything that's beneficial to the environment. But you don't have to worry about, you know, like leaving a a residual like a poison wood or something like that. Mm -hmm. But if you have areas, you know, where raccoons are always running through or palm You know, this would be something that you'd want to spray with some nematodes Mm -hmm. or have these areas treated, and it's not going to hurt the animals by any means. It's just going to feed off of the flea activity that's living in the area. Mm -hmm. So how do you treat, so somebody wants to, um, you know, give you guys a call and get something set up to where you come out, um, you just kind of say, okay, well, do you have wall-to-wall carpeting or area rugs? If so, you know, how many area rugs, how many rooms? Well, the way that we do our pricing is by the number of treatable rooms. Mm-hmm. And we, we do all of our pricing over the phone, mm-hmm. um, free quotes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we just get a breakdown of the entire house. And then we go through the rooms and figure out what's carpeted, what's hard surface, you know, where area rugs would be, where area rugs would be on top of carpet, um, just so that we can get an idea of the house. And then the way we charge it is by the number of treatable rooms mm-hmm. um, so that you get a price quote um, and you know exactly what it's going to cost before we ever even come out mm-hmm. um, to the home. Mm-hmm. And then when the technicians get there, all they do is they do a walkthrough, you know, through the house to make sure that all the the room count that we have is correct, mm-hmm. um, and just verify everything before we start. Mm-hmm. But when um, you call us up, one of the things that we do like is we love for our customers to be informed. Mm-hmm. Um, because of this two- to five-week hatching stage, different things that we want for you to know about flea activity. So when you call us, we're going to fill you in on anything that you don't know before you schedule the appointment yep. so that you know exactly what's coming and exactly what's going to happen. Which is how I learned about all of this stuff was through one of those phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have a many, many of those phone calls every day. Yep. Um, but, and, it, you know, and if anyone ever has any questions, you know, or you have a friend that's like, you know, I just don't know what to do, we're not a high-pressure sales company. We're flea experts. If anyone ever has any questions, just have them call our office. We're more than happy to take the time. Yeah. Okay. Without trying to pressure you into something or talk you into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if anyone ever has questions, they can always call our office. And the main thing, and this is with so many, so many areas um, in this industry, is is really education. You know, I mean, Correct. whether it's pet food or flea control or you know whatever it is, um, you know, really educating the consumer so that then. And, you know, the pet owner can make a confident, educated choice on 
you know, what what they want to pursue or how they want to pursue it, but at least they're informed and they have all the information because it's hard. I mean, there's so many products. There's so many different flea products. There's so many, there's so many different types of pet foods. There's, you know, it's so like, you're kind of like, well, you know, how am I supposed to know what's what? Because every, you know, this person's recommending this and this person's recommending that and this company's sponsoring this, you know, so it's kind of like you don't know really the real, you know, the true information. And so this is a, such a great thing because you really do educate about fleas, uh, you know, not about your product, but as a, as much as about fleas and how fleas operate. And so then in understanding the life cycle of the flea, it just makes sense. Oh, yeah, treat the environment because that's where they spend most of their time. Right. Once you realize where it's coming from, it's easier to get rid of. Yeah. Well, I really, really encourage, you know, everybody, if you have um, dogs or cats or both, um, to give flea busters a call, have your house treated, or go ahead and, you know, get their product from uh, the select list of vets and groomers in the area that you can also give them a call and find out where those are, too. And just have your house treated as a preventative thing, because the last thing that you want is for fleas to show up in numbers and to have your pet ultimately suffering as a result of it. And when it happens, it's still going to happen for five more weeks. Yep. And there's no nothing yep. that, that, that goes around that. And that's because of the cocoons. Correct. Right. So, again, that website is FleaBustersWA.com. I'll post all of this information, as always, on the Dog Talk Show website, which is DogTalkShow.com. For the Flea Busters number to call is 206-628-3532. That's 206-628-3532. And, again, that's FleaBustersWA.com. And it is indeed flea season. Has it started yet, Aaron? It has. Yeah. It really has. I mean, it's gotten to the point where you're just starting to notice it, Mm -hmm. but these colder temperatures are going to keep it, you know, kind of hidden until the until the, when the sun comes out, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's going to be like they came out of nowhere. Yeah. But I have a feeling it's going to be one of those years. Yeah. Well, now's the time. Take care of like... it early. Bring your pets that comfort. It really does make all the difference. You know, one thing, I, I, I we back up everything that we say in writing. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to take our word for it. You know, you can research us for yourself if you want to see any of the material safety data sheets, you know, or hear what anyone else has to say about us, you know, or contact your veterinarian for referrals. Mm-hmm. But if you take care of the problem early, you really will be bringing your animals that much more comfort. Yep. Truly. Yep, and you guys do guarantee no fleas for a year. That so. is correct, and our guarantee is written in stone. Yep. Written in powder. <laughs> and we've been in business here for, we're going on 22 years now. Wow. And people have nothing but wonderful things to say about it. So. Yep. Well, I have you here on the show for an interview as a result of my experiences with the company. I really highly recommend this, and I can't emphasize enough to have this done before you have a problem. Right. Yep. It's Keep the, the way pets to go. comfortable. It's the best way to do it. Yep. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for your time today, um, sharing with us what you know about fleas and also about uh, your products and services at Flea Busters Washington. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'll be talking to you soon.
So fascinating to learn about fleas and really important to be effective in treating for them to really understand their life cycle and how they live in the environment, both on the animal and in your home. So again, that is FleaBustersWA.com is their website. Their email is FleaBustersWA at gmail.com. And I'll post all of this info on the Dog Show homepage, which, of course, is dogradioshow.com. We'll be back next Wednesday live at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.